0: Hello and welcome to Buff Innovator Insights. I'm your host, Terry Fees, Vice Chancellor for Research and Innovation at the University of Colorado Boulder. This podcast features some of the most innovative ideas in the world. It also introduces you to the people behind the innovations from how they got started to how they are changing our world for the better. Today we'll meet Dr. Christine Liv, an Associate Professor in the Department of Computer Science and the CU Boulder campus director of a new National Science Foundation Center called Aspire. This new center is trying to solve some of the most pressing transportation challenges facing our world today. Dr. Liv's research integrates systems, algorithms, and applications for next level data analytics in scientific discovery and computing. Before joining CU Boulder, she received her master's degree and PhD from Princeton University. During today's podcast, we'll learn about Dr. Liv's early interest in computer science and her successful progression through the educational system in China. We'll hear about her transition to living in the US to do her postgraduate work at Princeton and what brought her to Boulder. And she tells us how our research and teaching are fulfilling her passion for supporting sustainable and equitable transportation for the future. I can't wait for you to meet Dr. Christine Liv. Well, thank you for joining me today, Christine.
1: Hi, Terry. It's my pleasure to be here, thank you.
0: So let's just get started. Um, You grew up in China in what would be considered a relatively small town in China, maybe not by U.S. standards. What was that like?
1: Right. So I grew up in uh, Shaoyang, which is in Hunan province. So it's in southern China. So the city is small. By small, I mean, we have probably 180,000 people. So it's not too small (laughs) by the U.S. standard, but it is still considered a small city. Uh, So my father was a judge. My mother was a physics teacher, so growing up, I think I definitely get quite a bit of kind of logistic, kind of reasoning, kind of training from my parents. I also have two siblings. I have an older sister and a younger brother, so it's definitely
0: fun to have siblings growing up. So you were the middle child? Yes. (laughs) So the middle child is the one that helps everything come together and helps people work together, (laughs) generally. (laughs) Um, So what was the school like that you attended in elementary school? Mm, So the
1: elementary school, what I remember, it's a reasonably large class. I think I was in a class of 40 or 50 students. Um, So I enjoyed it. I think growing up, like... um, I'm generally outgoing person so I I think I have a, a lot of good friends so I just like enjoyed uh, going to school with my friends and I, I did reasonably well at school. So yeah, I liked it.
0: So you had a unique opportunity when you were a teenager. Tell us about that.
1: Mm. Yeah, that is actually a very important point in my life. So as I was uh, about to graduate from middle school, so back then, most of the top students would actually always just consider going to a trade school. Basically, like after that, you get to like three years of training and you have a reliable job, right, and then have income. Uh, so um, by the time I was about to graduate, there was a very unique opportunity. It's a special gifted class, that was
0: organized at the province level. So when you say province, that would be equivalent to a state in the United States? Yes. Uh, The intention actually was to
1: kind of like train students, right, to compete at the national level and the international level of this Olympiad. So it is designed as the the most prestigious like computer science competition for secondary school students. So basically just like middle school uh, students. And then the focus is a lot is about kind of programming. So it's about like you need to learn how to design a program and you need to then of course, write your program. And then they were tested for correctness and efficiency. So that was really more like the foundational part of computer science. And I got really interested because I, I see like the great potential of like using computers to do a lot of things
0: so prior to getting this unique opportunity had you been exposed to computer science was it one of your favorite subjects
1: no not at all like i have never seen a computer or a keyboard <laughs> uh, before i started so that's outside like without this opportunity i probably wouldn't be <laughs> in the computer science field
0: so the school was also removed from you had to leave your parents home when you were relatively young and live there. How did that work and were you homesick?
1: <laughs> right, that's a very good question. So yeah, I think I was 14, but the good thing was that because the our class like had students from all over the province. So most of us are like remote, like we're remote, right? So our, we live away from our hometown. So we actually had our dedicated like dorms for us, for the whole class. And then we had dedicated dining hall and actually a special chef for the whole class. So it was actually nice in a way, even though I like I did miss my family a lot. But it is also nice just to be in this kind of small community where we're kind of together all the time.
0: Was this before cell phones? Yes. So you weren't talking to your parents every day, I would guess.
1: No, no. I think I remember like my father actually tried to visit me probably about once per month. That was about it.
0: So clearly you did really well in this school. What happened next? How did you decide where to go to college?
1: Right. So, yeah, while in middle school, so I competed at the province level uh in this olympic context and then i did very well i got into the national level again i did pretty well not to the top i didn't get to go to the international level uh context but uh, i was among the top 15 for the national level and with that uh, qualification so i was uh, actually automatically um admitted by Tsinghua University, whose computer science department I would still consider the best in the country. So I was, uh, one provided this opportunity to just enroll into computer science at Tsinghua University, and by then I already decided computer science would be the major I would enroll
0: in. Yeah, and I'm very familiar with Tsinghua University graduates, really, really top students, um, because it's really like the top university in China. So I can appreciate that that had to be challenging for you to go there. <laughs> so so you went there to major in computer science. And when you graduated from there, then what?
1: Right. So a lot of my classmates then were probably like thinking about like finding a job when they graduate. But I already kind of decided I want to continue with the graduate study. Another thing that's also like actually was a very nice envir- environment was that like Tsinghua University had a lot of students, uh, like going abroad after their undergrad study. So I definitely like benefited a lot from that kind of environment. There was a lot of kind of support and a resource for me to then figure out how to actually
0: do it. So tell us about where you went to do your PhD and what your PhD research was.
1: Yeah, right after I graduated from Tsinghua University, uh, I went to Princeton University. So my PhD advisor, uh, Professor Kai Li. So he was originally also from China and he actually visited Tsinghua University and we started just talking about his research work and what I uh, am interested. So I think that definitely helped a lot. So my initial focus was on distributed storage systems. So the idea is that how you store a lot of data and across many, many machines, right? And then on top of that, if you are able to store a lot of the data, then of course you won't be able to search for information, right? You don't just store there and then <laughs> having trouble finding that. But then, like as I get to my kind of dissertation uh, study, I was really thinking about, well, we don't want to look at the data as black boxes, meaning that I don't care what they are, I just uh, put those blocks of data here and then find them later. I really want to look into the data and see what they are. So that really kind of like, um, Push me more to more into this kind of data analytics angle. So the idea is that not only we know we're managing a lot of data, but also we will learn from the data. So we will kind of look into the data and trying to discover interesting patterns from the data, which we can then leverage in real world applications.
0: Yeah, and of course, data has become the, the word of the day with AI machine learning and, and basically doing information extraction from that data. So you were... Really at the the beginning of all of that, it sounds like. Right, right. So you also had a, a graduate advisor that helped you when you came to the United States and gave you some great advice. Talk about that.
1: So, yeah, Melissa Lawson. So, she was the graduate program uh, advisor when I started uh, at Princeton. So, I remember like when we started in the first year, when we just arrived, there were actually a a group of probably 10 ish uh, Chinese students. So, we came in the same year. So, we were pretty close to each other right so we were always kind of together we did a lot of things together and then we were speaking Chinese (laughs) together all the time so Melissa like came to us actually one day really just kind of talking to us about the importance of kind of like one speaking English because well if we want to kind of like uh get better connected to the culture to the language and really kind of become part of the community right we don't want to just be in our own kind of isolated group um, so she really encouraged us to speak in english all the time and also she then also kind of spent a lot of time just working with each of us like having us reading papers or like newspapers or just kind of like talking to her and she would point out like uh, accent issues or just errors, right we were making that
0: helped me a lot Was it hard to be away from home and a continent away, you know, while you were here going to school? So Princeton was a small town.
1: Uh, I like that small town, like, feeling. So people there were really nice. So I really just, I I feel they helped a lot just in terms of, like, me transitioning, like, from kind of brand new kind of international student, but become more connected to the community and the culture aspect and really being able to kind of, like, uh, I uh, feel I'm becoming part of the community, so that really helped. Uh, of course, like I miss my family a lot. I, I remember, like back then, we had the visa, uh, the visa tran- uh, restrictions, like between U.S. and China. I think I couldn't go home. Every year, it was I like probably every other year I would go back. So it was hard then. Uh, also, actually, one of the things like my father actually passed away before I finished my PhD um, study. So that was definitely also like one moment where I felt like it was just too far away for me to be uh, like back by his side.
0: That must have been very very hard. Yeah. So after you finished your PhD, you decided to stay in the United States and find a faculty position. So, you started at Stony Brook University and then you came to SU Boulder. What drew you to Boulder?
1: Right. Um, so the,
0: I mean, the number one question actually was more like
1: the two-body issue. So my husband then, like he was at CU Boulder and I was at Stony Brook. So we knew we had to kind of, one of us had to move, right? But in terms of me moving to Boulder, I remember my first visit to Boulder, like just driving over the hill and then seeing the, the city at the valley of the foothills. It was so pretty. Like I was <laughs> really like really impressed like, for the first sight. But the second part is really people, like right? so once I like arrive at a border I start to interact with people, like in my department uh, in the university, but also my neighbors, just a general community. I feel this is just a very nice community because of the people we have here. Uh, another part that's more about my research, right? So I started like talking to people about collaboration even before I arrived at Boulder. So I really feel that there were a lot of opportunities and the collaboration was uh, like uh, really encouraged and kind of, how to say, facilitated in many ways, right? And that was uh, very important right, for my research.
0: Well, and those research collaborations have paid off. I, you were recently um, one of the principal investigators of a new National Science Foundation Engineering Research Center, which is called Aspire, Advancing Sustainability Through Powered Infrastructure for Roadway Electrification. What does the center aspire? <laughs> To achieve. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a very good question. So ASPAO focuses on electrified transportation. Okay. So the vision of the center is that we wanna support sustainable and equitable future for transportation. Because generally like by improving the transportation sector, we wanna be able to improve the health, the prosperity, but also equity and access. Because nowadays, if you look at, like, uh electrical vehicles, right, we talk about the technology side, about how you design the battery system, how you design the vehicles and the charging infrastructure. But all those need to come together so that we can support widespread electrification across different vehicle classes and also, very importantly, across different adoption groups, right? We don't want, like... A, uh, some groups to be left behind or be disadvantaged if we are not considering this as a whole.
0: Christine, so how are you using data to inform our ability to use the electrical infrastructure? So if you are a local community,
1: if I'm saying, okay, now they're going to like have um, some kind of charging infrastructure nearby, what does it mean, right? What kind of uh, like environmental impact it may have on my community, right? So we're looking at the data that will really quantify the uh, environmental benefit, right? Or potentially health impact if certain percentage of the traffic or the vehicles are converted to electrical vehicles. So, so basically here we're using data to really model the impact, right? One way or the other for different kind of community settings.
0: So, what is your part in this research center?
1: I serve as a campus director for University of Colorado Boulder, so Boulder is a core campus uh, within AsB. so we actually have quite a few faculty members, staff members, and students right participating in the center. So, as a campus director, I really want to just be able to kind of oversee right uh our campus participation within ASPIRE, So that's one part of it. The other part is from the research angle is that uh, I'm serving as the data research thrust lead. So within ASPIRE, we have four uh, research thrusts. So there's a power, there's a transportation, adoption, and the data. So I'm leading a team of data scientists. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, as part of your role as a professor, you also teach classes. What classes do you teach and what's your favorite class to teach?
1: Mm. I have taught, let me see. So since uh, starting at the CU Boulder, so I have created uh, the data mining course. Another one is the big data analytics. Uh, this one is uh, a more kind of advanced topics course for graduate students. And also I... Uh, teach this more like an intro course. Uh, one is introduction to the CS PhD program, which is for first year PhD students. Another one is introduction to the uh, CS research based master's program. So again, it's for incoming master students who are uh, in the research-based program. So I think I like teaching overall. Those are all very good courses. They have different purposes, but they all kind of cover different things and really help our students. Uh, but one course I, I particularly like is the data mining course. So this course is offered to both undergraduate students and graduate students. Okay. This course particularly is interesting because one, of course, is directly connected to my research, so I really like it. But also within this course, I have built in like not just the lectures, right? But also a core kind of course project component. And this project uh actually need to be designed by the students themselves. So basically, students can form their groups, they pick their own uh, focus and their own data sets they want to work with, and then kind of work through the whole process of uh, like mining from a lot of data. So, uh, so every year, I'm really kind of interested to see just a lot of kind of very interesting ideas. Uh, and so that's one part I really like. I always like like the feedback when students say that while well, it was hard it was not an easy process but they really enjoyed the process of kind of working with real data and working on some uh, projects that they are really interested in.
0: It sounds like a class I'd love to take. <laughs> so what are you most proud of in your career and what do you hope your legacy will be?
1: Mm, that's a very good question. Um, so as a professor, right, I think that there are two important aspects of my work, right? So one is the research, right? So I really see the value of high impact research, meaning that I want my research work to be able to benefit the bigger society and really kind of see real world adoption. So I would be very proud if uh, like my research work like down the road really have a huge impact in the society. And through actually the ISPEL uh, Center and some of my other research projects, I do feel we are pushing the boundaries and we are going to really uh, make the world better with more advanced uh, research work. That's one. Um, The other part, uh, being a professor, right? So education is a core part and I really, feel that that's actually very important, right? It's not just about like the individual classes I go to or all the particular materials I teach. What I really uh, treasure is the growth, right? How our kind of young scholars, right? They learn the materials, but really they become like independent, like uh, experts, right? In their own field to become leaders, right? And also better thinkers, not just to say the mechanics of the work, but really is about visionary uh, and leadership uh, work when they go out and they grow and they become uh, like really the experts in their own uh, areas.
0: So, Christine, as you look forward to the future, you can't help but think about your own triplets that you have. They're eight (laughs) years old now. What is it that you're optimistic about your field and the future and the future it will create for them?
1: Right. Um, I think that's also one thing that when I talk about like Aspile being supporting sustainable and equitable transportation and more broadly, like the impact of my research, right? I do feel sustainability, uh, equity are really important. And that's something that I really strive to make it better. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, connect to my triplets. So I think they really amaze me because, for example, like they know what I work on, right? They can already talk about what data mining is. They can talk about uh, electrified transportation. So they kind of got the concepts, right? And through that process, I'm also kind of like showing them how important it is to provide like a sustainable future, right, for the environment we live in. So I really feel that it's important for us to really kind of say, guide and lead the next generation. So we do our best to make it better for the next generation. But this concept and this kind of continued effort, right, is important for us to carry on and for the next generation to carry on.
0: Well, thank you, Christine. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Christine Liv, Associate Professor of Computer Science and the Campus Director for CU Boulder's new Aspire NSF Center. To learn more about Dr. Liv, you can visit www.colorado.edu center slash Aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E. For this and other Buff Innovator Insights episodes, you can also visit www.colorado.edu rio slash podcast. I'm your host and vice chancellor for research and innovation at CU Boulder, Terry Fees. Thanks for listening to Buff Innovator Insights.